Let everybody stand and give a Lord a standing ovation. The I Am is among us, and He will feed us and quench our thirst and give us power. Hallelujah. We need it, Lord. We need it. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, bless His name. Let's remain standing, and in a moment we'll read the Word of God together. But I want to transition a moment just before you descend, choir. I want to pray for the Lawrence family. Dennis, Cindy, Jessica, come and stand right here in front, would you? And I want uh, our elders that are in the service, our prayer partners, our altar workers in the service, our staff in this service, I want to give this family a blessing as they transition from this location of serving the Lord because of a change of job and a call to another area. They'll be moving to the, to the part of Georgia, Columbus, Georgia. Dennis, how long have you and your family been with us? Ten years. Since being here, the Lord called him to the ministry. He's been credentialed in the church of God as a minister. His wife, go ahead and give the Lord some thanks. Yep. And I, I tell you this, and I want to pause just a moment so that you know I'm not going to take a lot of your time, but this family has given and sacrificed and worked and labored in every ministry of this church. Brittany's not here today. Brittany's part of the family, and they have grandchildren. And so they're, they're blessed, and they will move on to be a blessing elsewhere. But we want to send them off with the anointing of the Lord upon them. Amen? We want to pray God to just meet their needs as they go and use them in ministry there, and then, then cause others of us to raise up and send others to us that will come in and, and fill in that place also. Amen? We are blessed when we bless others. So I, I want to just pray over them. I want you to point your hands in this direction. Those of you who come nearer by, and let me just pray the prayer of faith over this family. Father, in Jesus' name, I anoint husband, wife, daughter, and everyone else represented in this extended family. Lord, I thank you for Dennis and Cindy. I thank you for Jessica and Brittany. God, we have seen them grow in this church, and we have seen them, God, grow in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they have take that, taken that growth and blessed so many others. God, I pray as they go that you will order their steps. Amen, church. I pray that you would fill them with the power of the Holy Ghost. Bless their children and their grandchildren and their, their son-in-law. And God, bless them. Open up doors of ministry. God, when this gap is created here, I pray you'd fill it, oh God. But, Lord, I pray that when they go elsewhere, they'll find that the soil is ready for them to be planted and grow. Protect them. Meet their needs. Help them in their transition, God. And I pray that, Lord, everyone will see the love of God and the presence of God in their lives. We send them forth in the power of the Holy Ghost. And we commend them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give them a God bless you with you. Remain standing, if you will. Thank you, choirs. You descend. Take your Bibles. Turn to 112. Psalm 112. Praise you, Lord, for this family. I tried to reason with Dennis and tell him it's not too long a drive from Columbus to Noonan every Sunday. And, and he'll, he'll pray through about that and come on back. i got a rope tied to his ankle. And I'm only teasing about that. But thank God for brothers and sisters whom God helps us to grow together with. It's Father's Day, so I want to talk about men approved by God. And I want to read to you from 112 Psalms, Psalm because it's written by a man who was approved by God. His name is David. Uh, David was a man's man. He was a, a giant killer, man's man, a warrior. 
David was a family man. He flunked Family 101, however. But out of his flunking Family 101, we learned some lessons. David was a businessman. He was a king. He was an administrator. He was a ruler. He was a businessman. He, he knew how to build. He knew how to organize. He was all that. So I'm saying all that to tell you that he was qualified to talk to us about being a man approved of God. He was a spiritual man. He was a man who wrote psalms and hymns and songs and spiritual songs and even danced in the presence of God. He's qualified then to tell us about being a spiritual man. And so I think that by looking at David and looking at his psalm, uh, more particularly the psalm today, I want to give some word here about men whom God approves. Verse 1, please. He begins by saying, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 4. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Say amen to that. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn, which means his strength, his horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. Desire of the wicked shall perish. It helps me so much when I know that you've prayed for me and you agree with me that God will help me. So would you stretch your hands in this direction? Take a moment, offer a prayer on my behalf, and I would receive it and appreciate it and reciprocate it. In the name of Jesus, I know there are places to go, things to do, people to see, and an evening to have with our dads or family. But I know right now, God, before we go to the bread and the table of our physical body, we come to the bread and the table where we need help for our spirit and our body. And so, God, I ask you for freedom and liberty to preach the word. I pray you'd guard, help me to guard my words and my thoughts. And I pray, oh God, I, I pray this morning for fresh anointing. Say amen, church. Lord, I preach one service, but that's not enough for this service. We all have different needs. Every service has its own kind of nature and, and, and need, Lord. So I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Arrest us by the Holy Spirit in a good way. But don't arrest our minds. Let our minds be alert and aware to receive the transformation comes from your word. Amen? And amen it is. Thank you so much. God bless you as you're seated. It's always a pleasure to have Pastor Jeff's father with us, Reverend Merriman. Sometimes I have to call Brother Merriman about Pastor Jeff, but I did not this week. I just called Tracy instead. No. A joy to have you, sir. In the 1990s, in England, there was a television sitcom comedy called Men Behaving Badly. And the name suggests the content. Men Behaving Badly. It was about two men who shared an apartment, two bedrooms, and every 
episode amplified men behaving badly. Lazy, slouching, drinking beer, telling man jokes, and just and then making a comedy out of the whole thing. And then, for some reason, I don't know why it is, but there came an American version of that show, and they called it, It's a Man's World. And what I'm convinced of is we already know, because we live in this world, we already know the characteristics of men behaving badly. I would suggest that we need to be exposed to more of the characteristics of men behaving godly. And this psalm does that. It helps us to see what kind of man that is. Proverbs 20 and 6, don't turn there, just, but it asks a question that we need to answer every day of our lives, especially of the masculine gender. Proverbs 26 says, but a faithful man, who can find? I tell you, not only on Father's Day for me, but as I observe men in my circle of influence and who influence me, men and boys everywhere, I tell you on Father's Day 2011, the Holy Spirit would like to give a wake-up call to men and young men and boys in America. Because I say that because what we need more of in America is not more men behaving badly. We need more men behaving godly. Sirs, your wives need you to be a godly man. Sirs, your children need you to be a godly man. Your, your, your church needs for all men to be godly men. Your business and your business partners and your community and where you live need for there to be more godly men. I am quite convinced, and I'm no commentator on political matters or social matters. I've got my own opinion like you, but I always try to base the opinion on the precedent of the Word of God. And I'm quite convinced that if our families are going to survive in this 21st century, they will need strong male leadership to do it. Hear me, somebody. If our families are going to survive in the 21st century, century, we need godly husbands, godly fathers, and godly young men. If our families are going to survive in this 21st century, we need less of behaving badly and more of behaving godly. You heard the saying, it's very true, I'll repeat it just for the sake of our reminder. The saying is, as the family goes, so goes all of society. Well, let me add to that statement by saying this, as men go, so goes the family. Say amen to that. I really believe that the family keys off the leadership of men. Actually, our culture, our society, our systems key off the leadership of how men are leading. And I have come to observe and understand that when men are fulfilling their God-given assignment as spiritual leaders in their homes, the home is stable, the home is secure, and the home is satisfying as long as we're fulfilling our God-given spiritual responsibility. And so as I think about that and I come to this place of where we are, I... Reading and studying this week, I've discovered that every day, 299,000 men become first-time fathers. 
Every day. Almost 300,000 men become first-time fathers every day. We become fathers without training or instructions on how to be a father many times. If you want to know how ready we are to be a father, give us a diaper and tell us, put it on that, young'un. You have to teach us a bunch of times. But we look at our culture and we understand that we just don't need instructions and that kind of stuff. I, I, I read where... A gentleman by the name of William Raspberry. William Raspberry is an African-American columnist, writer with the Washington Post. And in one of his writings, he said this. If I could offer a single prescription for the survival of America, and particularly black America, it would be restore the family. He went on to say, and if you'd ask me how to do it, my answer would be save the boys. I say to Mr. Raspberry, that's good commentary for African-American, Caucasian-American, Indian-American. Save the boys. Save the men. Save our families. I find this morning, when I look at Psalm 112, the kind of man or men that God approves. And I tell you exactly where to begin. Look at verse 1, please. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. I tell you, brothers and sisters, in America today, there are too many men who do not have a healthy fear of God in their lives. We're we're missing it there. I tell you something else. There, There is in America today too many men who do not find great delight. Second part of verse 1. Who do not find great delight in obeying the commands of the Lord. I tell you that when we stray away from a reverential fear of God and an obedience to His Word. And we stray away from delighting in His commandments. We are destined to behave badly. When I look at this, this particular psalm. I want to highlight by way of introduction here, not tarry with it. I want to say to you that there are numbers of, take me to the slide if you will, that speaks of the promises associated with a man who fears God and delights in his command. God says, if you do what I tell you and you live like I tell you and you follow my word and you fear me and serve me, I have promises of blessings and blessings for you. And some of this are highlighted here. For example, in verse 2, he says, There's a promise to your children if you fear God and obey His Word. Look at verse 2, please. Your Bible's open. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Can I get an amen? I told our prayer group this morning before coming into the first service, the prayer partners who pray with me in the office, I looked around at all the men. There's probably about 11 of us all together this morning in prayer. And I said, Brethren, this, this is Father's Day. I said to all we brethren in this circle, me included, we may never get our face on the cover of a popular national magazine. As a man, we may never get our name on, in neon lights over some kind of marquee in honor of our abilities. We may never host a television talk show, a radio talk show. We may never get accolades and awards and applause from the culture as a whole. But I'm saying to men and to young men and to fathers this morning, I'm saying if your child or your children rise up and call you blessed, you have more than, uh, art, than, than accolades of a sign or a magazine. If your wife rise up and calls you blessed, if your children say, one day I want to be like my daddy, I like the president, I, I, like, I like this person, I like this sports person, but when I grow up, I want to be like my daddy. That's a tremendous honor that money or things cannot buy. There's a promise not only for your children, if you're a man of God who honors God, there's a promise regarding one's character. 
And that's found in verses 3 and 4. Look there, if you will. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. The word righteous is used four times in chapter 112 of Psalm to describe the man who fears God and the man of whom God approves. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's another promise for us, and it's a promise of one's conduct. His conduct will be blessed because verse 5 says, A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs, his business, his life with discretion. Give me a witness, somebody. I tell you that if this culture needs anything, it needs men of discretion, men of self-discipline, men of discipline as it relates to our inward life and our public life. And the Bible says the man who fears God and honors God and listens to His Word and does right, God will order his steps. <laughs> this is just the introduction and I'm feeling, ooh, yes, I'm feeling. Uh, there's another promise for those who obey the Lord, His confidence. A man or young man's confidence will be blessed. Verse 6, please. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. In verse 7 and 8 it says, He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. There's a lot of things to scare us. And a lot of we men a lot of times act like we're not afraid. But inside we have certain kinds of fears. And God says, I'll take care of your fears if you take care of me. And then the Bible says, uh, there's another promise for those who are righteous, and especially of the male gender in this psalm. He says, he'll bless our charity. He'll bless a man who gives. Verse 9, he has dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. Listen to me, somebody. Your benevolence. Your tithe, your offerings, your honoring God. You're using your talents, your gifts, your skills, and your ability to help those who may need some help or to bless the kingdom of God does not go unobserved by God. He says, you will be blessed. Your horn, your strength will endure. And then he says, there will be commendations, praises. Your testimony will be will be. Well known. Your righteousness, three times, four times in this chapter. Righteousness endures forever. People will commend you. Not that you're needing to be pat on the back every day, but you don't have to wear a t-shirt that says, I'm a righteous man. Or you don't have to wear a necklace around your neck that says, I'm a God man. And nothing wrong with those if they're in the right place. But if, if you and I just fear God, pray, read our Bible, love our wife, love our children, love our neighbors, give a good day work for a good day pay, refuse to live according to our flesh, but bring our flesh under subjection of the Holy Ghost, our gifts and talents will make way for us. I am preaching better than you're shouting, God. I'm going to keep on preaching. Let me show you some things the Holy Spirit brought to my attention in my study this week. The Word of God says this about a righteous man, a man whom God blesses. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Look on the screen, I'll read it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Give me an amen. God says, blessed is a man who doesn't stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. You know, who you hang with is who you're going to become. Yeah. We got this thing in the the Caribbean, we got this thing in Trinidad called liming. Liming. 
It ain't got nothing to do with no limes and, and lemons. How many West Indian, how many of you Trinidad West Indian people know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Where are all my West Indians? Yeah, how old am I? Yeah. They must have come to the first service, now they're liming. <laughs> liming means just casual, sitting around, sitting on the porch, rocking, sitting in the hammock, just kind of watching the tide roll away. <laughs> Killing time. Well, it's all, everyone needs to relax a little bit, but sometimes folks get to liming. Killing time, and they get bored, and they start doing junk. I'm preaching now. Who you hang with is who you most likely will become. You ain't blessed if you sit in the seat of the scornful. Look at verse 2. The man is blessed whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. If you're going to spend some time, enjoy your buddies, but say, i got to leave now because i got to do some other kind of stuff. He shall be like a, oh, my, 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 my. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That's the kind of man I want to be. That brings forth its fruit in a season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I want to be the kind of man where everywhere I go, I don't have to have a sign over my head that says I'm a man of God. I just want to be a man planted in the Word of God, planted in the wisdom of God. I want to be a man whom God can say, there's my boy. If you're going to be a man approved of God, you've got to acknowledge the power of influence that God has given you. Especially the husbands and fathers, let me address. Number one, as a husband, you have a powerful influence over your wife. I tell you, brothers and sisters, gentlemen in particular now, sirs, hear me now. Your wife's happiness and emotional security in life rests almost entirely upon you. Where do you get that, preacher? Glad you asked. <laughs> Ephesians 5 and 24 says this. Husband, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. All right, let me give you a little analogy now. God has a hierarchy of order. God has a, a hierarchy of power and authority. God is first. And then it comes on down, including man, woman, family. Being the head of your wife, as it says in Ephesians 5 and 24, does not mean that you are her boss or her taskmaster. Oh, I'm getting votes now. It sounds more like feminine votes, but I'm a preacher. It does not mean that you have the right to rule over her like some dictator or tyrant. Where are you getting that preacher? I'm glad you asked. Because the Bible says Jesus is the head of the church in like fashion like the husband ought to be the head of the wife. The church is the body of Christ. And Christ nurtures His church. Give me an amen. Christ protects His church. Christ provides for His church. This ain't Alan Matura's church. And this ain't Church of God church. This is God's church. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. And this church will climb up higher and be blessed and win souls because Christ gives life to the church. That's what the husband is to do to the wife. That's your influence. To nurture and protect 
protect and provide. You see, sirs, God has created the wife to be a responder. Responding to the affections, protection, provisions, kindnesses of the husband. It's also a response to argumentation, fussing, fault-finding, etc. And I say, I say this to you, and, and I'm hearing in the back of my mind the possible thought that someone may have that when she starts doing hers, I'll start doing mine. And if we're not careful, we miss the whole blessing because God didn't say He'd make you a husband or a father conditional upon whether your wife or your children does right. They're probably going to do right as they see you do right in spite of of all the wrong. Do you know people respond to kindness and generosity? Kind words? You go to to the department store. You go to a a, a restaurant. You go to some place where there's customer service and you see that gal or that guy who's waiting to serve you and you can tell by their demeanor they ain't having a good day. You could tell by the tone of the voice they ain't having a good day. You could tell by the tone of the voice they ain't got no clue. The reason why they're getting a paycheck is because you're buying here. I feel it coming on. And you're thinking, how am I going to greet this person? And, and you know what? You, you, in order to be able to get through to them, you've got to, just, you've got to be able to disarm them. How are you doing today? Well, I'm not doing so good. Uh, God bless you today. Thank you for taking care of us. You know, thank you for helping us out. I know that we sometimes, customers can be cranky and whatever. But thank you for taking care of us. And, and, and usually, you just, and, and all of a sudden, they just start to be disarmed. Doesn't always work with your son-in-law because they're usually bullheaded, but it usually works with. Good to have JC in church this morning. Here, here's the point, ladies. Ladies respond to. They don't need a whole rose garden. Let's pick one rose and bring it home. And they're singing, "Look what the Lord has done." Responder. If I if I want kindness, I must give kindness. If I want love, I must give love. If I, want, uh, if I want to receive a blessing, I must be a blessing. And it begins in my house. What good is it if the waiter or waitress or the postman or the mail person or the banker or the teller says, Good day, sir. God bless you, sir. So whatever they say, have a nice day. Or they think the world of you. He's the nicest man. He's the nicest person. And then you go home and you're like a bulldog and nobody wants to be near you. Keep preaching, preacher. You might get a... You have an influence as, as, as a father over your children. Can I get an amen? I tell you, I could spend the rest of this, this lesson, and I won't do that. I could spend the rest of this lesson this morning telling you how powerfully necessary the influence of a father is on his children. I, could, I, could, I, I wish I had the capacity, the skill, I, would, I wish I had the articulation to tell you how desperately urgent America needs godly fathers. Men just to be men over their children. Let, let me give you a little touch on this. I'm going to give you some statistics here. kind of move through a little bit in a hurry because I don't have the time to dwell on them. But I'm going to give you a little bit of stats about fatherhood in America and what it means to children. Fatherless daughters are 53% more likely to marry as teenagers. 
Fatherless daughters are 111% times more likely to have children as teenagers. Fatherless daughters are 164% more likely to have an out-of-wedlock birth. Fatherless daughters have a 92% higher divorce rate than girls raised with dads in the home. Now, what about fatherless sons? Listen to these numbers. Fatherless sons are 35% more likely to experience marital failure. Fatherless sons are 300% more likely to become incarcerated in state juvenile institutions. Fatherless sons make up 70% of all juveniles in state institutions. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of high school. Fatherless children have only half the chance of being high achievers. Listen even more. According to the National Association of Elementary School Principals, 33% of children from two-parent families become high achievers, while only 17% of children from single-parent homes are high achievers. I'm talking about the influence of a father on children. There's more. Listen to this. According to the National Center for Health Statistics, fatherless children are anywhere from 100 to 200 percent more likely to have emotional and behavioral problems. Wow. Daniel D. Aminus, Daniel Aminus wrote a book entitled The Father Factor. This is what he said about the father's influence. He says, investigators, and he lists several of the investigators from the National Institute of Health and others have found from the cross-cultural studies across all cultures they conducted, listen to this, that poverty is not the most important or as important a factor in juvenile delinquency as the absence of a competent and loving father. Did you hear me? But let me tell you something else. Some may be thinking, well, we have a two-parent home, so that excludes us. No, no, no. You can have a two-parent mother-father home and children under the same roof. And if a man is not a godly man and a spiritual man and a man who fears God and takes his family to church and honors God and lives right, then there is no guarantee that your influence, just because you're under the same roof with your family, your wife, is going to be any higher margin of success. I, I tell you this morning, I, I don't want to be labored. I'm telling you, fathers, if you blow it, as a husband, or you blow it as a father, your effect has a tremendous m amount of influence, not just for the time they are in your house or under your care, but for years to come. I, I, I might, oh, help me, Lord Jesus. I, I just want to build a case, and I don't want to be unkind, but I see it. I, well, let me just say it. My wife, of course, as most of you know, is an elementary school principal here in Coweta County, Ruth Hill Elementary School. And daily and regularly, we interact about how a school and what's going on. Listen to me and hear me. I deal with the church, 
And I deal with the families in the church. And she deals with the, the community and the families. And of course, both are communities. Church and school. And repeatedly, my wife tells me about behavior disorders that children, six, seven, eight years old, even, even children in the, uh, in the kindergarten, disorders of all kinds of manifestations that children are manifesting. And it's because they do not have mother figure or father figure, and especially a father figure. Ah, help me, Jesus. Let me, let me hasten to give you another couple, few thoughts here. Men, by nature of your gender, your masculinity, us, by nature of our masculinity, there are just some dangers that come with our masculinity. Better we know it, and we recognize it, and we pray against it, so that we can be men that God approves. Give me an amen, somebody. And so, so let me just for the next few moments speak to you just very briefly about some of the pitfalls of our masculinity that God says, if you'll be aware of them and you'll pray for me to give you power over them and you'll consecrate your life to me, you won't fall in these traps that Satan has to destroy your masculinity, your manhood, and every other manifestations of your gender. Here's the first pitfall I'd like to mention is arrogance. Now, I say that only because I'm not trying to be arrogant. But somebody has once said that men are 90% ego wrapped up in skin. The truth of the matter is, brothers, God's given us pride to be used in a proper context. But if we have the pride where we think that we are... John Wayne and Chuck Norris and uh, uh, who, who are the other guys? Uh, Rambo and, and Albert Einstein all tied into one. That's me. If we get the way of thinking, nobody can tell me nothing. Nobody can shake my limb or, or mess me. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm my own man. I'm my own entity. If we ever get in the place where we don't think we need help, then that's probably one of the first signs of our downfall. And I'm telling you, brothers, I know that we, I know that we brothers are not given to quick emotions, and I know that we, we, we're not given to, to uh, exhibiting publicly too much our affections, but I'm saying to you that there's not a man in this house, and especially the one preaching to you this morning, that along the way doesn't need to say, I'm sorry, I messed up, I done wrong, I, I need to be forgiven. I'm telling you that if we, if we exercise arrogance just because we are of the male gender, we will push our wives and our children away from us, even though we are under the same roof, we will not be a family unit as God would want to bless. So we have to pray against the pitfall of arrogance. And then there's this thing of being autocratic. Autocratic has to do with the meaning of being domineering, being dictator-like or dictatorial, being high-handed or overbearing. And I know sometimes because of our potential arrogance and our flesh, we get this big ego that kind of makes us act like the big boss around the house. And we have to keep coming back to the fact that the Bible says about a father and a husband. 
That husbands ought to love their wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. Oh, there are times when you have to discipline. Can I get an amen? And you should. There are times when you should be autocratic, when you should be strong and firm in your convictions about the Word of God and your convictions about family's morality and, and the values of your home. Can I get an amen? At times when you say, look, you're not going to bring that in this house and you're not going to stay up past your curfew because this is a godly home and a godly family. You, you, when you get out of here and you're paying your own groceries and you're paying for your own utilities and your own rent, then you do what you... But this is your mother and my house right now. We dedicated this house. We dedicated it to God and we're not going to bring that in this home. There's a right way to do that. Then there's a pitfall of uh, absenteeism. The worst thing a man can do is to walk out on his family. I said the worst thing a man can do is to walk out on his family. I tell you that there are over 15 million children in America who are living in fatherless homes. I tell you that 70% of the juveniles incarcerated in America come from a fatherless home. And I say that to tell you that, as I said to you earlier and I alluded to you, that children manifest all kinds of physical, internal, emotional, psychological problems when fathers are absent. Just like kids need to get help from their mom for homework, daddies need to do the same. Daddies need to just cancel their schedule, take a kid on a little picnic or a long walk, or talk to them if they're going through a difficult place and have a little tickle fights on the carpet and the floor. If you got daughters, you need to do a little dancing with them a little bit. Right, Kimberly? Play a little Barbie doll with them. That don't make you no sissy. I remember playing Barbie doll with the girls. I, they'd get the biggest kick of me. Well, I better not say anything anymore. Y'all probably think, I don't know what he is. Children need their father to not drop off their mom and them at the church front step and say, I'll see you at 1230. <laughs> I, I feel it coming on. Yeah. You take them to the house of God. No, no. God says, you, you are the head of the house. Thank God for women who will do it anyhow. We, we, need, we need fathers. Men who will model their lives after Jesus so that children will say, when I grow up, I won't be like my mom and dad. I, I got to hasten. Uh, there's about three or more of these thoughts. Abusive men. Abusive men. Fathers, husbands, son. I, I don't. I don't need to make. I don't want to make anybody mad. But but these uh, the, we men we have a way of of holding in our. Uh, Emotions and feelings, and uh, we kind of like a pressure cooker on a stove. I don't know if you've ever seen them. You know, they got the little the cap on the top there where the pressure comes out a little bit of time, and it starts whistling when the pressure gets heavy, and the little lid. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. And we we men like a pressure cookers. It didn't go good on the job. It didn't go good uh, at the bank. It didn't go good at the, another place. We were expecting and doing and hoping, and by now we would have this bill paid. And the pressure starts mounting, and and when it starts mounting, we like like a volcano that is dormant, but now it's starting to breathe and the fire starting to erupt and all of a sudden we explode and when we explode we, we can be abusive 
Sometimes your wife and kids don't have a clue why you're acting like whatever it is. And then sometimes that explosion leads into physical violence. Any man that hits a woman and abuses a woman physically or their children is not a man. Not a man. No. Not a man. No. Really. Just because you're big, just because you have control, because you have the louder voice. Bless God, I'm going to mop up this place with you. Is not of God. What you really are, <laughs> here I go. You, you're going to say, you're mighty small for me talking so big. Yeah, but I got a police car parked at my office door usually on Sunday morning so I can talk. If you hit on a woman, sir, and abuse a woman just because you have the physical capacity and you want to, she's going to bless God, do what you say. You are a wimp. You are a classified A1 wimp. And what I'd like to do is be a little more. Uh, the, one preacher friend of mine said he did it this way. I don't have the physique to do it, but he, he said, I went over to the house, called by the wife after the husband had beaten her. He goes, after they finish beating, the, beating them, they, all of a sudden they get so sympathetic and so apologetic. And I ain't never going to do it again. This is now the 15th time. He said, I went over there. I was so mad. He said, I took off my coat. And I saw him then. I saw her bruised and beaten. And I said, now you hit me. Hit me. He said, this is my strategy. The Bible says you've got to turn the other cheek. I was going to let him hit me one time. Right here. And when he hit me the second time, I was going to knock the tar out of him and mop up. I told him in the first service, if, they, if your husband beats up on you, you call the police. Brother Willie Terrell sitting right there said, no, you call Brother Willie. <laughs> it's terrible when you come in the front door and they, can't, they don't even want, they wish you'd run late. Your wife and your children. It's terrible. They hope you work late. They hope you have to go out of town. Because when you walk in the door, all of all the house and the joy and the happiness, all... all A couple more thoughts and I put back my coat. I ain't ready to fight nobody. <laughs> Two more things I want us to bring under the Holy Spirit. And I'll just, I'll just touch them right now. And we'll, and we'll ask God to help us to be a man of proof. See, all of us got stuff. Sometimes we are aloof. You know what the word aloof means? It means rigid. Hard to touch and reach. Distant. The, 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 we, we have this, pit, this possible pitfall of being standoffish, remote, unaffectionate. I tell you as a pastoral counselor, many times when I'm counseling people and we have some baggage to deal with, baggage from the past, many uh, women... And even men, grown adults looking for help, will say something like this. My father never told me he loved me. My father never embraced me. My father never said, good job, honey. I'm telling you, if they don't get an affirmation from you as the male gender in their life, they will be involved with a lifestyle that you may not want them to be only because they're after affirmation. They may be involved in drugs because the gang they hang with will affirm them. They may be involved in sexual promiscuity and involved in sleeping around and having sex 
indiscriminately outside of marriage because they get an affirmation from the person they're with right there. And I'm not saying that you have to tell them you love them every day and pat them on the back to keep them from all that stuff. But I am saying to you and to us that their coach may say good job, their teacher may say good job, their, their, their uh, friends may say good job, but it means a, m- a million times more from a genuine heart of a father or a husband that says, I love you, honey. You didn't, you didn't, get, you didn't get it right like you wanted to get it this time, but try again. Can I get another amen? And boy, and the last one here, and there, there are a lot of angry men. We got to avoid the pitfall of anger. Can I get a witness, church? Listen to me, gentlemen. All of us have to learn by the power of the Holy Ghost to resist the temptation of our flesh to say things we shouldn't say and behave in ways we should not. Oh, Pastor, I don't have no anger issue. Just get out on the interstate in Atlanta. Get around 285. You want to know if you have anger issues? Get on the highway. Let somebody cut you off. And you'll be waving at them, but the posture that you used to wave with may not be a good testimony. You want to know if you have anger issues? You get on the interstate. Get the highway and you lose your direction. Your wife is in the car with you and she says, Honey, I think we're lost. You'll find out if you have anger issues. No, I'm just taking a new route. All of us. I knew in preaching today that we would come to this point. I love to have a rip-roaring, hallelujah, shouting, dancing kind of thing. And I love all those things in the context, but we're doing some internal stuff today. What does these names mean to you? Former governor of New York, Tiger Woods, Brett Farb, John Edwards, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Congressman from New York, former president, Ted Haggard, pastors, husbands, fathers. Did you see any, did you see any similar ground here? Did, 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 I just, just a little note. I'm not beating up these people. I'm telling you that even them and their greatness and their power and their influence did not guard the pitfalls. Who tell you the devil going to leave us alone? Stand, everybody. Sing, my brother. Hallelujah. Uh, pause. You play and get them together, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be very transparent, okay? Their barbecues are waiting, right? I know Father's Day. Yes, sir, their dinners are waiting you, sir, and make sure you have the money to pay for that dinner after. Look at me and hear me. I need God to work on this preacher today. I'm not here to ask you to expose your stuff, and I'm not here to expose my stuff in the sense of being very intimate or detailed, but every one of us got stuff, sir. You say, Pastor Matura, I'm ready to go to a higher level as a son, as a single male, as a father, as a grandfather, as a man of God. I'm ready to go to a higher level, another level. Come meet me in the altar from everywhere. Matter of fact, I'd like to invite all the men. I, I want, I want the men to, some of you men to come on the platform. We ain't going to have enough room for... Help me, Brother Everett, and help me, Brother Will. Come on, you men, come on. I want, I want to invite all the men and young men. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want all the men and young men to come to the altar this morning with me. If, if nothing, just because I invited you. Go ahead now and give him praise, my brother. Thank you, Jesus.
as you come. Come in a little bit more. And several more of you come up to the front. Come, come on up a few brothers more. I, I, I want you to come, come on up to the stage. Let everybody else sing praises to his name. Come on a little more, for the next few seconds but if you'll say God read my stuff check me out I got some stuff I need to leave here at the altar today can I get an amen by faith God? guys I, this is not some self-righteous somebody got hired in you all we all in the same same flesh and if God don't help us we'll be on the devil's list can I get an amen so I, I want you to ask the Lord to fill you First, if you need forgiveness, ask Him to forgive you. If you've been arrogant, abusive, absent, autocratic, if you've been abusive, you know what? You don't have to have a list. But you say, God, I'm not yet where I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I want you men to pray over your spouse if you're married. I want married. I want you to pray over your children if you have them. I want you to pray over your family. I want you to pray over you. I want you to say, God, empty me of the stuff. Unpack me of all the stuff that ain't like you. I got people, look, somebody's walking in your footsteps. Isn't it amazing, JC, how little Lakeland will take your big shoes. Just little 16, 18 months old, Lakeland will get in JC's shoes. And your children will do it. Because they want to be like, oh, help me. The Lord is helping me here. Brothers. You, would you pray and, and would you pray loud enough for you to hear yourself pray? Because if you just whisper, you get distracted. Ladies, you pray, but for the next one minute, we're going to pray about our own self. As you play softly, my brother, just pray a little bit more louder so we, so we can just know that we're talking. Everybody, just begin to pray right now. Unpack your stuff right now. Come on. you you got about 55 seconds left. Oh God, I'm in the altar this morning. Come on. Pray, gentlemen. I'm in the altar. I need to be in the altar. I'm unpacking all of my stuff. I can't, I can't carry all this stuff. Forgive me. Come on, go ahead. Forgive me, God. 
I've not been the kind of husband I should be. I've not been the kind of father, but I want to be better. Come on, unpack it. I have looked at things I shouldn't look at. I have consumed things in my flesh I shouldn't have. Come on. I'm hanging around the wrong crowd. Forgive me. i got to clean out some CDs and some DVDs and some magazines. That's a pitfall. Come on. I don't want to fall in the pit and die. I want to live on the mountain, God. Come on, you're doing good. you got about 25 more seconds. I pray for husbands, God. I pray for fathers. I pray, oh God, we are all somebody's son. I don't know what their relationship with their father has been, but I know there's a heavenly father who says, I'll be to you a friend that is closer than a brother. Come on, brothers. God, fill us with the Holy Ghost. Come on, raise up your praises a little bit more. Raise up your voice a little bit more. Gentlemen, now lift up your hands to the Lord like you're reaching up to the Lord. Step out of your comfort zone and reach up. It ain't embarrassing. It ain't awkward to raise your hands and praise God. We raise our hands and cheer and do other things. Go ahead and raise up your hands and say, I need you, God. Come on. Holy Ghost, fall on us on this June 19, 2011 Father's Day. May we be men of which you approve, of whom you approve. Come on. Fathers, pray over your children right now. Call them by name. Oh, God. Husbands, pray over your wife right now. Grandfathers, pray over your children. Oh, God, I bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. Come on, come on. God, fill us with the Holy Ghost. If there's any sin, I confess it right now. Come on. I thank you, Jesus. And greatly to be praised. Sing it again now, my brother. And let us praise him as we sing. Come on. Maybe, I hope it's not awkward, but you weren't praying to this preacher. You, you were in a holy place. This place has been anointed and dedicated. This place, this place, all these pews, you're in a holy place. God's not going to deny you His holiness if that's what you want. 
I don't care what you've been in the past, whose expectation you haven't met up to in the past. Forgetting those things that are behind you. Today is a new day. You can start today and have a new future. So if you've been less than your best, start today. God bless you as you go. God's 